After emphasizing the many miracles involved in Israel's birth, Rabbi Soloveitchik then argued in this address that drew on the Song of Songs that Israel must embrace the chosenness of the Jewish people that the birth of the state had so miraculously made manifest, or as he put it, Zionists needed to recognize the Jewish people's, quote, covenant of destiny, end quote. Welcome to Bible 365, episode 253, The Knock. I'm Mayor Soloveitchik. In his biography of Abba Ibn, or Aubrey Ibn, Asaf Sinever describes the frenzied efforts of the Zionist movement to ensure UN support for the partition plan in 1947. Quote, a Jewish agency survey of the likely voting behavior of UN delegates revealed that it was a couple of votes short of the required two-thirds majority. The agency desperately needed extra time to persuade the representatives of Haiti, Liberia, and the Philippines, among others, to change their position in favor of the UN resolution on partition. The Zionists were rescued by a number of friendly states who instructed their representatives to filibuster for as long as they could. The president of the General Assembly, Brazil's Oswaldo Arana, who was a good friend of the Zionists, also helped by bringing the session to a close and postponing the crucial vote by two days to allow for the celebration of Thanksgiving. End quote. Everything had to fall precisely into place. And it did so, as Sinever describes, because of a variety of factors, above all the remarkable fact that both the United States and the Soviet Union supported the partition plan. The required two-thirds was achieved, and Sinever describes the feelings of Eben and of his wife and of his colleague. Quote, Driving back to Manhattan after the vote, Aubrey, Susie, and Moshe Shertok sat in the car in complete silence, visibly overwhelmed by what they had just witnessed. The historic achievement at the General Assembly was almost too powerful to comprehend. End quote. The story of Israel's birth is, of course, in part one of political ingenuity and savvy diplomacy. But if moments like this one could produce stunned silence, it is, I would suggest, because politics alone cannot explain the nature of what happened. And this verb by Joseph Soloveitchik pointed to the miraculous nature of the resurrection of the Jewish state, and thereby to the unique nature of Jewish history itself. It was in 1956 that Rabbi Soloveitchik delivered one of his most famous talks. As I mentioned yesterday, he first focused on the book of Job, and then, turning to Zionism, he drew on the next biblical book, Solomon's Song of Songs. More than 40 years after this speech, marking Israel's 50th anniversary, the historian Paul Johnson published a piece in commentary titled The Miracle, which shares certain striking similarities with Rabbi Soloveitchik's address though it is certain that Johnson, a Catholic historian, had never read Rabbi Soloveitchik's speech. Today, in this special Israel Independence Day episode of Bible 365, we will attempt to learn from both texts. We begin with our new biblical book. Shir Hashirim, The Song of Songs, presents itself as a work of lyrics of love, a tale of two individuals whom Rabbi Soloveitchik, in his address, called The Lover and the Beloved. For Jewish tradition, the love poetry of the Song of Solomon is meant to serve as a metaphor for the relationship between God and his beloved Israel. The lover is Israel, and the Almighty is the beloved, or in Hebrew, the dode. The first chapter describes the delight of the relationship, starting with a description of the desire of the lover for the beloved. The text soon turns to romantic metaphors joining joy with descriptions of the spring which is perhaps why the book is read in synagogues on Passover, the spring holiday. Thus, chapter 2, verse 10. 
My beloved spoke and said unto me, Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. For lo, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth, the time of the singing of birds is come, and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. But then, in chapter 5, another theme appears, emphasizing how, in any loving relationship, the right opportunity must be seized. The lover describes the beloved knocking at her door. I sleep, but my heart waketh. It is the voice of my beloved that knocketh, saying, Open to me. I have put off my coat. How shall I put it on? I have washed my feet. How shall I defile them? My beloved put in his hand by the hole of the door, and my innards were moved for him. I rose up to open to my beloved, and my hands dropped with myrrh, and my fingers with sweet-smelling myrrh upon the handles of the lock. I opened to my beloved, but my beloved had withdrawn himself and was gone. My soul failed when he spoke. I sought him, but I could not find him. I called him, but he gave me no answer. This is the text. The beloved knocks. The lover originally refrains from coming and then arrives at the door too late. Rabbi Soloveitchik described the drama, quote, What is the essence of the story of the Song of Songs, if not the description of a paradoxical and tragic hesitation on the part of the love-intoxicated, anxiety-stricken lover when the opportunity, couched in majestic awe, presented itself? What is it, if not the deferral of a great and sublime opportunity, pregnant with a possibility of which she dreamt, for which she fought, which she sought, and for which she had searched with all the fervor of her soul. And Herbert adds, a simple extension of the hand to turn the lock separated the lover and her beloved, the great dream from its complete fulfillment. With one leap, the lover could have attained all her life's desires, end quote. But as Herbert further describes, the lover fails to seize the moment. Quote, that very night, sloth, the result of a strange inertia, took hold of the lover. For one small moment, the flame of yearning that burned within her was buried. The mighty desire withered, and her feelings and dreams were silenced. The lover refused to leave her bed. She did not open the door of her tent to her handsome beloved. A cruel confusion swept her into forgetfulness and apathy. End quote. This, of course, is a metaphor for the Jewish relationship with God. At times, God knocks on our door and makes his presence known. And it is up to us to seize the moment to recognize the full spiritual potential that is present. For Rabbi Soloveitchik, the founding of the State of Israel embodied a knock of the beloved on the tent of Jewish history, a miraculous manifestation of his providence, one which obligated the Jewish people, God's beloved spouse, to seize the moment, to respond with a dedication to working for the well-being of the Jewish state, but also to respond with faith to all that God asks of us. Rabbi Soloveitchik notes many knocks, many miraculous manifestations in Israel's story, and we will know too. First, there was the fact that both the Americans and the Soviets, in one moment in history at the United Nations, supported the partition plan, something that politics alone could not explain. Rabbi Soloveitchik, drawing on the metaphors from the Song of Songs, described that moment at the UN. Quote, The knock of the beloved was heard in the political arena. From the point of view of international relations, no one will deny that the rebirth of the State of Israel in a political sense was an almost supernatural occurrence. Both Russia and the Western nations supported the establishment of the State of Israel. This was perhaps the one resolution on which East and West concurred. I am inclined to believe, Rabbi Soloveitchik continued, that the United Nations was especially created for this end, for the sake of fulfilling the mission that divine providence had placed upon it. It appears to me, Rabbi Soloveitchik continued, that one cannot point to any other concrete accomplishment on the part of the United Nations. And then he added, 
I do not know who the representatives of the press with their human eyes saw to be the chairman in that fateful session of the General Assembly in which the creation of the State of Israel was decided. But he who looks carefully with his spiritual eye saw the true chairman who conducted the proceedings, the beloved. End quote. Thus, the outcome at the UN was so unlikely that it could only be for Rabbi Soloveitchik the work of God, a knock of the beloved. The exact case, ladies and gentlemen, was made by Paul Johnson in his essay, The Miracle. Johnson writes, quote, Another paradoxical aspect of the Zionist miracle, which we certainly did not grasp at the time and which is insufficiently understood even now, is that among the founding fathers of Israel was Joseph Stalin. Stalin had no love for Jews. Quite the contrary, he murdered them whenever it suited his purposes. In his last phase, indeed, he was becoming increasingly paranoid. Had he lived, he might well have carried out an extermination program rivaling Hitler's. Moreover, like Lenin before him, Stalin had always opposed Zionism. He did so not only as a great Russian imperialist, but as a Marxist. And he was consistent on the matter up to the end of World War II, and again from 1950 to his death in 1953. But during the crucial years 1947 to 48, he was guided by temporary considerations of realpolitik and specifically by what he saw as the threat of British imperialism. Stalin ignorantly supposed that the way to undermine Britain's position in the Middle East was to support the Jews, not the Arabs, and he backed Zionism in order to break the British stranglehold. Not only did he extend diplomatic recognition to Israel, but in order to intensify the fighting and the consequent chaos, he instructed the Czech government to sell at arms. The Czechs turned over an entire military airfield to shuttle weaponry to Tel Aviv. The Messerschmitt aircraft they supplied were of particular importance. Then, in mid-August 1948, Stalin decided he had made a huge error in judgment, and the obedient Czech government ordered a halt to the airlift within 48 hours. But, by then the war had effectively been won. Thus, in terms both of Soviet and of American policy, Israel slipped into existence through a window that briefly opened and just as suddenly closed. Once again, timing, or if one likes, providence, was of the essence, end quote. So Johnson writes, providence indeed. And for Rabbi Soloveitchik, another knock occurred in the military battles that followed. Quote, second, the knock of the beloved was heard on the battlefield. The tiny defense forces of Israel defeated the mighty Arab armies. The miracle of the many delivered into the hands of the few materialized before our eyes, end quote. And Rabbi adds that had partition been supported by those who instead chose to wage war on Israel, quote, the state of Israel would have remained without Jerusalem, without a major portion of the Galilee, and without some areas of the Negev, end quote. Paul Johnson put it this way, quote, in the last half century, over 100 completely new independent states have come into existence. Israel is the only one whose creation can fairly be called a miracle. I observed the drama of 1948-49 to 49 from the security of an ancient Oxford college, where I was an undergraduate. Academic opinion was then on balance favorable to the new Zion. Many dons had been brought up in the philo-Semitic tradition of Daniel Deronda, George Eliot's novel about a young man who discovers his identity as a Jew and dedicates himself to the Zionist cause and they welcomed Israel as an intellectual and moral artifact. But opinion was also virtually unanimous that the state would be crushed. End quote. And Johnson also argues that it was Israel's enemies that ended up giving Israel more defensible borders than that of the original partition plan. Thus, Johnson writes that Israel's enemies were, quote, responsible for the somewhat enlarged Israel that emerged after the 1949 armistice, end quote. Adding that, quote, if it had been left to the UN, tiny Zion, 
probably could not have survived, end quote. After emphasizing the many miracles involved in Israel's birth, Rabbi Soloveitchik then argued in this address that drew on the Song of Songs that Israel must embrace the chosenness of the Jewish people that the birth of the state had so miraculously made manifest, or as he put it, Zionists needed to recognize the Jewish people's, quote, covenant of destiny, end quote. And Johnson, fascinatingly, similarly concludes his essay by writing that Israel, quote, is not a nation like other nations. Willy-nilly, it is and will continue to be sui generis, its people shaped by the terrible events of our century and marked by destiny, end quote. We live in an age of miracles, when the unique nature of the Jewish story is so incredibly manifest, seen not only by rabbis, but also by at least one very gifted historian. But so many others today choose to ignore what is obvious. Rabbi Soloveitchik, in his address, reflected as follows, quote, Woe unto the beneficiary of a miracle who does not recognize it for what it is, and whose ear is deaf to the echo of the imperative that arises out of this meta-historical event. Pity the one who benefits from the miracles of the master of the universe, but the spark of faith is not kindled in him, and his conscience is not stirred by the sight of this singular event. End quote. Paul Johnson reminds us that one need not have read the Song of Songs through the lens of Rabbi Soloveitchik, or have heard Rabbi Soloveitchik's speeches, in order to see Israel as a miracle. One must merely study and truly understand history in order to comprehend the wonders of our time. And when the beloved knocks, one must be willing to listen. This is Mayor Soloveitchik, wishing everyone a joyous Israel Independence Day. Looking forward to learning together tomorrow. Signing off.